This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Hello and thanks for downloading today's podcast. I'm Jamie Long. It's Tuesday the 5th of April. And first today, a child has died after being found near the White Cliffs of Dover. Our reporter Lucy Hickmark joins me on the Kent Online podcast. Some very sad news today, Lucy. What do we know so far? Well, Jamie, police, paramedics and the Coast Guard were called to Swingate just between Dover and St Margaret's Bay yesterday evening. The child, whose age hasn't been released, was taken to a local hospital but couldn't be saved. In a statement, a Kent Police spokesperson confirmed the death isn't being treated as suspicious and a report will be prepared for the coroner. It's caused shock and heartbreak in the local community. People have posted on social media describing it as devastating and a terrible tragedy. Comments have been left on Facebook, with many sending their condolences to the child's friends and family. We have very little details about this at the time of recording, but obviously some very sad news coming out of Dover. Lucy, thank you. And of course, you can follow updates at Kent Online. Kent Online exclusive. Next, an experienced captain has spoken about the terrifying moments his boat went up in flames off the coast of Sheerness. John was moving his houseboat for the summer when he noticed smoke coming from the bathroom. He's told the Kent Online podcast what happened last Friday. All of a sudden, out of the blue, I said, well, where's that smoke coming from? And I thought it was steam from the engine. So I took my water up, took all the engine down so it didn't steam anymore. And then there was more smoke, and it was smoke, and it was getting worse and worse. I said, Al, go down and have a look, see what you think. So I went down to the bathroom again, just the back of the boat, of course, and the smoke was getting thicker and thicker. By this time, <clears throat> it was quite lucky, there was a police boat coming down the River Medway towards us, because you could see the smoke coming out the windows and doors. So as I come out of the bathroom, I shout out to Alan, who was on deck with the police officer, we're on fire. So I went down, I went down to be lounge down the front of the boat from the wheelhouse to the lounge to get some two more fire extinguishers. I run back up into the wheelbox and back down into the bathroom and now the smoke and the fire is terrible. So I was spraying both fire extinguishers again, didn't help. Went back down the boat, lounge to the bedroom now to get two more fire extinguishers. Run back up, back down into the bathroom that's sort of gotten it down, but I couldn't see nothing. I burnt my head, I burnt my face, I burnt my arms, and I'm an experienced captain of River Thames. So I shouted out to Adam, to the police boat, give me another fire extinguisher, please, which they did, which was a bigger one than my, my six I had, and it managed to stop the fire. Well, the lifeboat eventually tugged his vessel to Queenborough, where emergency services dealt with the aftermath of the incident. John told our reporter Megan his home had to be ripped apart. The front of the gate had ripped the whole bathroom apart to stop the wood going on fire. And I was gutted, because that is my house, that's my home, that's where I lived. So at the moment, I'm homeless. So I'm staying with my sister and her boyfriend at the moment. It was terrible, so I actually thought I was going to die. And the fire brigade think there's a loose wire, so anything could happen. It wasn't the main engine, the manager was fine. It was a loose wire, but till 
on Friday I've got a surveyor coming to look at the boat to find out the calls and if they can repair it and save it if not it might be written off so I don't need to be this. Can you maybe explain kind of like where your bathroom is and you know because I know you had gas bottles in that sort of area why were they there and what how close were they to kind of like catching a light as well? Well, the gas bottle is actually behind the bathroom on the outside, but there's a, there's, a, there's a hole in the deck where the gas bottle sits in. So if the gas bottle leaks, the CO2 will just evaporate under the gas bottle. It won't come up here, it'll just go out the side of the boat. So the gas bottle was there for my heating, uh, for my hot water and cooking. But lucky enough, the gas bottle did, that gas bottle did explode. It was close, because when the fire brigade got there, they was hosing it down with water to cool the gas bottle down so it was getting hot. If I had gone up, it would definitely be dead. Kent Online News. A dad of five who punched and strangled a woman in Canterbury has been jailed. Daniel Kiefer claimed to have acted in self-defence when he attacked her in the city centre last May. He's also attacked three officers during his arrest. The 36-year-old from Shooters Hill in Dover has been locked up for nine months. A commercial garage has been completely destroyed in a huge blaze in Medway. More than 40 firefighters were called to tackle the flames on Cedar Road in Strood yesterday afternoon. One person was treated for burns. It's not known yet how it started. Now, the MP for Dover says the roads minister has agreed to review Dover TAP and Kent's traffic response after days of major disruption. Natalie Elphix held a meeting because of gridlock in and around the town amid severe cross-channel delays. Piendo ferries are still suspended and other operators are struggling to keep up with the increased demand. Lorry driver Richard Warren got held up in Operation Brock for hours on Friday. So I loaded a, a load to go to Paris that was due there on Saturday morning. Obviously, I was going to catch a ferry from Dover Friday morning to be in Paris Friday evening to unload on time Saturday morning. And I joined Operation Brock at Maidstone Services just about 7 o'clock on Friday morning. And I finally made it onto a ferry at 9 o'clock on Saturday night. So... The best part of 39 hours to get from the start of Operation Brock at Maidstone to actually getting on a ferry in Dover on Saturday night, by which time, obviously, I was late uh, for Paris. And in the meantime, uh, nothing. You know, you just sit there and queue. I did speak to one highways traffic officer who came along the queue in his patrol car and um, asked him, you know, where's the toilet why is there no toilets and his reply was that they um they weren't expecting such a huge huge queue um to which I, you know i sort of disputed and said well they were expecting a queue enough to put operation brock in and put the signs out and put the signs on the gantries and get all the cones out and put the contraflow in just couldn't be bothered to um to put any portaloos out a mile or so apart and that was it from from where Operation Brock starts at Maidstone Services to Dover is sort of 30, 34 miles and um, and just not one portaloo, nothing at all. You know, we've got food and, and, and water and everything on board. So the authorities haven't really got to provide very much at all to look after us. But I would have thought a portaloo every mile might have, uh, they, they might have been able to do that. The other factor was that 
we have to go on to the government computer system as part of the customs to get a reference number before we can get on the ferry. The government's portal had been crashing and eventually crashed and they couldn't repair it and get working again. So trucks are taking 15, 20 minutes to process instead of five. I'm loading in Belgium at the moment, so I'm going to be heading back to Calais this evening. I've got a load on that has to be delivered to Sittingbourne. The unpredictability, I don't know. I might be I might be able to cross in three or four hours tonight. It might take six or seven hours. And, um, so I really, I really don't know. But then I've got to head out at the end of the week. The, 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 the job in Paris has to be collected next Saturday. Normally, I would leave the UK on Friday to, to arrive in Paris on Saturday evening to load on Saturday morning. But um, in these circumstances, I suppose I better think about heading to Paris on uh, Thursday because I could be spending another day sat on the M20 if um, if there's big queues again. And with Easter approaching, there's going to be more and more tourist traffic looking to make crossings as well. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Next, CCTV footage at Kent Online shows the moment a stolen car ploughed into parked cars and destroyed a wall in Chatham. Three men can then be seen fleeing the vehicle after crashing in Luton Road on Saturday night. Police say they're continuing to investigate. Now, a Gravesend couple say the process of housing refugees from Ukraine needs to be urgently simplified. Hans Gothals and Dmitry Brain applied to take in a student from the University of Kiev. They've been telling the Kent Online podcast what the process has been like. A couple of weeks ago, we decided to um, sponsor a Ukrainian national to come and live with us in the UK to support that individual uh, because of the war situation. The reason why we're doing this is both our grandparents had to flee in uh, World War One and Two, and we remember vividly the stories of all the hardship um, that they were enduring. So for us, we felt we have the space, why not, and we can make a difference in, a, in an individual's life, getting them back on their feet again. Um, via the government uh, was initially very slow, but then they set up the Ukrainian housing scheme and sponsoring uh, visa scheme. The problems that we faced is, is that after we putting in the application 12 days ago, we haven't heard anything. Um, there is a helpline which we contacted this weekend. And you ask for help and support or even where the application is at this moment in time, I don't class that as a helpline. I mean, they, yeah, they couldn't they can't comment. reveal any information. So there's a, clearly a couple of gaps that, we, that I think are, are, are missing and leaves a lot of people in the unknown and quite nervous. Cause, and don't forget, you know, obviously because you're dealing with these refugees, you know, it's, it, it can be quite um, difficult to kind of like tell, well, not being able to tell them anything. You know, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it, it, there's a couple of steps I think that, that, that could be improved. Um, you know, and, and, and for instance, you know, when you do the application, you get a confirmation of the government uh, website and that's it. So you don't get any information about where you are in the process, if something is missing or if everything's there. You know, it, it, we haven't heard anything in the last, what is it, 12, 14 days now? 
there doesn't seem to be any logic b behind, oh, I've put in an application on the 10th of March and, and I still haven't heard anything. And then somebody writes, well, I've actually put an application in on the 18th and I have been approved already. So it's hit and miss. So there's no structure or logic behind it. Um, you know, some people, uh, you know, and it's also, as, as Dimitri was saying, it's hard when we are talking to Victor, you know, sort of like, what news can we give him? We, you know, we, we are supporting him and so on. But in the meantime, his predicament has not improved. He's left his um, home city with practically nothing, um, just some documents, a laptop and some items of clothing. Um, being stuck somewhere, not knowing what the next move um, is going to be, is, going to have, is having a significant impact on him. He says to us that his father lives in Poland, but his mother is still in the Ukraine trying to get out. He um, got ref uh, refugee status and he then travelled through several countries, ending up in Prague, where um, he's sharing a flat with other refugees who are also putting in applications to other countries, including the UK, and some of them have already moved on, which again has an impact on him because he feels sort of like stuck with it. Um, uh, you know, because he sees people moving on. Yeah, and that those are all people that he's met on that journey. So he's he's really on his own, mm -hmm. uh, which you know I, I can only imagine uh, would would add to the the stress, the stress. levels and the anxiety yeah. levels. Well, they're finally getting a home inspection and DBS check carried out today. Victor says he can't wait to get there. I'm very disappointed because I am still here in Prague and. Um, I'm waiting, you know, for my visa um, approval, and um, it's very, you know, it's very hor horrible. Uh, it um, I spent a lot of energy, you know, and I um, I can't wait um, uh, when I see, you know, my host family in the UK, and uh, I hope they. It, uh, I, I, I'll see the, them in the very near future. I have also uh, such a great support, you know, uh, of Hans and Dimitri. And uh, it, it means a lot, a lot to me. Yeah, it gives me a lot of power and uh, I believe in myself more and more. Elsewhere, a thief's been caught on CCTV stealing plastic flower pots from a house in Gillingham. Images at Kent Online show a man taking them from Twiddle Lane. Residents say plants and hanging baskets have also gone missing in the area. Police say they've not had any reports of items being stolen from gardens on Sunday. Now, a former car showroom in Medway is being converted into a wedding and events venue, which bosses hope will rival the already established sites across the county. The old Medway Autos building on the A2, just outside Raynham, is now known as Christine House. Emily Lockwood is the business and development manager. So this building has actually been dormant for, for 13 years and uh, it's been a two-year project and, and now we are at completion, which is so exciting. Um, it sort of, it reminds me of a venue that you would find in London that has been brought out onto the A2. Um, the eye for detail, the finish of it is um, really, really high end. Uh, we're gonna be able to offer um, corporate award nights here, conferences, weddings. Um, any event uh, we can do here at Christine House, up to 450 people. Uh, and then we also have the lounge, uh, the Beulah Lounge, 
which is going to be great for the local community. We're going to be offering um, breakfast, brunch, afternoon teas, evening grills, cocktails. It's going to be a really great place for uh, friends and family to come to. Yeah, the, the finish is really high end, so uh, the team that, that own Christine House are all about eye for detail. Um, and, you know, I think when you first come into that, that's exactly uh, what you can see. It's really important um, for Christine House to benefit the whole community. So um, the owners of Christine House are a real advocate to be working with the local suppliers. So it's not just us benefiting um, from Christine House. It kind of ripples out to the whole community. And so, yeah, so we'll be working with catering suppliers, party suppliers, drink suppliers, and we're going to keep it as local as we best can. Kent Online News. A house in Canterbury that's become famous for having a picture of Elvis in the window could be given a new lease of life. The council's considering turning the derelict building in St Peter's Place into temporary accommodation for homeless people means the picture that's been there for more than 40 years could be removed. You can see it at Kent Online. And whilst you're there, you can also see a picture of a beachfront house in Whitstable that's gone on the market for more than £1.6 million. The four-bedroom property is opposite the old Neptune pub and has impressive sea views. Well, that's all for today's podcast. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can also subscribe to the ad-free premium version of Kent Online for exclusive content and access to all of our newspaper titles. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.